You're listening to Black Neon Digital Podcasts, Episode 5, Zaki Sharif, Fashion, Art and Collaborating with Made Jewellery. Welcome to Black Neon Digital Podcasts, a series of thought-provoking conversations with the people behind businesses and brands that make a difference. I'm your host, Jodie Muta-Hamilton, and I'll be getting to know visionaries who are at the forefront of fashion tech and ethical style. I'll also be exploring our relationship with technology and the impact it has on craftsmanship within the fashion industry. I believe the future of fashion is to find a holistic approach that harnesses technology whilst keeping crafts alive, to push the boundaries of possibility, and to support each other to create businesses that can provide growth without harm. I hope listening to our discussions inspire you to be the change, start the business you've dreamed of, discover new ways of thinking, and connect with other like-minded people who are doing something in their own vision to make a difference. Come on the journey with me, keep listening, subscribe via iTunes and SoundCloud, join the conversation via Instagram at Black Neon Digital, Twitter at Digital Neon and our website blackneondigital.com. I came across Saki Sheriff's work back in my uni days and have always looked to her with particular fondness. Perhaps like a big sister, not that we've only ever met, perhaps it was simply recognising we have the same outlook or particular influences in life. Either way, I've kept an eye on the brand, which she founded in 1997, for a long time now. There's a certain complexity of influences, yet simplicity in delivery to Zaki's work, combining spirituality, travelling, healing, music and street culture. Zaki is interested in creating an emotional response and translating experience. Her wish is to empower, heal and touch people's hearts. Today we'll hear about Zaki's recent collaboration with ethical jewellery brand Made and how she balances her life as an artist and designer in a commercial world. Hi Zaki. Thanks for having us today on this very sunny day in your stockroom. Hi there. <laughs> the glamour. Uh, yeah, the glamour of it all. Um, just to delve straight into it, you're known for someone that collaborates on a lot of projects. What in particular do you love about the process of collaboration? I've always been really interested in working with different people's way of looking at things and how bringing the different ideas together can create something new, um, sort of not not having just my vision uh, it's quite an interesting challenge and I just get quite excited by that where so where does the um, process begin for you and where does it end and also thinking about the difference for you of being an artist and a designer are they the same thing are there are they different you know how do you how do you connect the two I think originally I used to think they were very different, but over sort of 20-so years of my career, I've started to see that they are pretty much who I am. I'm about both. My training was very much about painting and drawing first, so the fine art always came first, and then abstracting from that into design. So that was a very natural way for me to keep working once I came out of university, and I actually thought I wanted to be a fine artist, and not I didn't even think about getting involved in fashion. Um, but now, 
what happens is, is I, I think it, I think it pretty much the art comes first, which is inspired by all those different things that you said at the beginning. And then I start to just take from it um, and start creating all the, the, the drawings and the textiles and the illustrations and so on. How does the fashion element work into that then? Um, with it being, you know, it's such a different medium in a way to the art um, and also commercial, in a commercial sense, how do you go about selling that? Well, the fashion for me, I didn't train in any kind of fashion, but I grew up in fashion. My family had been in manufacturing my whole life. So it was quite natural place for me to, to move towards because I had a lot of... Um, contacts however I was very anti getting involved in fashion um, but through a set of sort of synchronistic events I ended up moving into that into that field and at the time when I started making very artistic textiles and putting them onto clothing was quite unusual um, and people couldn't quite at time it was very selective kind of people that could get it really whereas it's very different now. Um, commercially, I think, I think that, that it, it's just evolved, really, that, that eye where I can create a print and I know, I just know now if that print's going to do well or not. It just sort of talks to me and I know straight away. So I kind of now know when to put a print in or when not to put a print in. Shapes-wise, um, I'm not naturally a garment designer, I don't know how to cut patterns, but I work with amazing people who have really started to understand over the years how I see things and how I create things. So again, actually, my, my, my experience, the way I work with a pattern cutter is very much a collaborative experience. It's really a bit of me, a bit of them. And slowly we put things together. Um, but I've always loved fashion and I've always been really, since I was really tiny, you know, I always used to make things for my Barbie dolls and um, I love putting clothes together and I probably should have been a stylist, I guess, but I always wanted to be different from a very young age. So um, I think the love of looking at old vintage clothes sort of started very young and watching my mum because she was a fashion designer back in the day and seeing all the stuff she made. I think that just has translated through into the kind of shapes and garments that I use now. So would you say that um, you use a lot of vintage inspiration in your from the shapes and from the, you know, the patterns and so forth? Yeah, I think... I, now, yeah, yeah? yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, would you also say, so I've been thinking, the it's obviously important for you to to have that relationship with the clothing and the garments on people as well as have it as an art artwork. Do you think that's to do with about the connection to the body and the emotional connection to the body and it not just being something on the wall? I just really want someone, when they put something of mine on, be it a T-shirt or, or an expensive silk dress, to just feel really special in it and to feel unique and different in it. And actually, that's been the, the, the most said comment to, pe for, to me over the, over the years of having made clothes. The biggest comment has been, I just feel so great when I wear your clothes and someone always asks me where it's from. So there's something in the prints that people are drawn to. So actually, it's not even so much the shapes, it's the prints that people go to first. That's what speaks to them and that's what they end up yeah. buying it for, Yeah, yeah.
Could you tell us a little bit about your recent collaboration with Made Jewelry? How did it come about? What was the process um, that you went through to decide the exact pieces that you ended up making? Okay, so the collaboration with Made was originally, oh God, it was like a year and a half ago, actually. I was introduced, maybe even longer, I was introduced to them through some wonderful people called the Brand Department, who I was again introduced to by another friend. And they suggested that I should work with this company and then it turned out that there was the whole African connection and it just felt a bit blessed so it took quite a long time for the work to finally come come out to the public but I've kind of been known for loving jewellery I've always bought a lot of old jewellery my mum was a big jewellery wearer and I've always raided her (laughs) raided her uh, jewelry box and my friends always have called my brother actually one of my brothers calls me tomb raider so i'm sort of known for always borrowing her stuff i was back in the day yeah now i've sort of accumulated my own collection so but but a lot of friends have always said to me you've got a real eye for jewelry you should you should design jewelry and i'd never had the right situation i did do a collection in japan once with some friends that i do a lot of work with licensing work with and that went really well um and so we just slowly created a group of stuff and it, it, it just formed really slowly. Um, and now, yeah, that's it just yeah. sort of has come through. It's happened yeah. over time. Yeah. Um, with them making in, in Kenya, we've spoke about how important Kenya is to you. Mm. Could you just explain to us why? Well, my uh, mother's from Tanzania and my father's from Kenya and... I, a lot of my family were raised in, in East Africa, basically, because a lot of Indians were brought over um, as slaves to build the railways. So my family are three generations East African. Um, so I'm first generation born here. So when the Made collaboration came through, it just felt really blessed for it to be Kenya. And because it was a place that when I visited when I was 21, I felt so connected to it and so touched by it and and the people and the whole experience. And what I'm doing now is really about I want to work with manufacturers that I can evolve with and they can evolve with me and we can all grow from from the whole experience. So that's for me was what was wonderful about working with Maid was, was working with these amazing craftsmen and women and using a lot of their traditional techniques to create the pieces that we create. To look at the way that they work with the with the jewellery and to look at how it evolved all the different when we did styles and remade them and to learn of the learn the boundaries about what was possible because I love actually being given boundaries because I think as a creative it's my job to sort of bust those open creatively to work within them but to create something really special within those boundaries. And I feel like we really did do something quite different for what Maid is used to doing. So Particularly, it, it doesn't have a lot of colour there. Jewellery is standard, no. and that's obviously one of your massive... No, and bringing in unique, the glass yeah. and the beads, the recycled glass and the beads, and how they have encased the recycled glass. I mean, ideally, I wanted crystals, but we wanted, you know, it made sense to work with the recycled glass. I was amazed that they could have all these colours and... Um, and the beading was really special to me because of that trip when I was 21 and, and visiting and the Maasai and being in that whole experience. And, God, we're talking a long time ago. So to see that kind of beadwork still present, I f- it felt really important for me to use it again 
now to sort of give a nod to what I visioned and what I saw and what I experienced all those years ago. And kind of, yeah, reconnect with that and bring it forward for yourself as well in a, in a different sort of way. Um, could you just talk to us a little bit about the kind of ethical side of making and fashion and jewellery? Because um, I know that you obviously print all your stuff here, but now that you've said you, you made it in um, India now, can you just explain why and the decision behind that and kind of what draws you you know, commerciality and, and how you would love to make things in a certain way, but you feel you can't? Well, I mean, obviously, I'm, in, I'm first generation born here of, of Indian African family. Um, it would have been, for me, wonderful to have made everything in the UK. And actually, when I had Zaki originally, I did make a lot of my stuff in the UK. The only problem really is it's about wholesaling the product. If you to get the price right for wholesale... It's very difficult to make it in the UK. And because my work goes through two processes, the printing and it's the cost of that, as well as the manufacturing side. So all the kind of jersey, wherever I can, will print here. Um, but the silks, we print everything here right now. And interestingly, we I chose with my mum, because she's been helping me, to uh, work in India, because, it's again, it's another part of my ancestry and it felt really important. She introduced me to this wonderful man and he had a very spiritual outlook of, of life and work and business and it felt very connected to my kind of philosophy and I just thought I'd really like to grow with him and work with his men and women and for us again, same situation really, for us all to grow together. So, so I mean, in, in reality though, it's not like the made in Ing India or Bangladesh that we hear about, like no. horror stories. It's actually like really connected it's to It's really working story. very yeah. tightly yeah. with the community. Yeah. Um, and I really want to grow with communities. And so, for example, with Mage, you know, they support schools. They support. They're very passionate about where the money goes in different directions. And it's the same thing with the people in India. And I'm now going to be working with some people in Pakistan. And as a child, I, I lived a long time in Pakistan. And they're all about supporting the community. So I've been really blessed that these manufacturers have entered my life that have a very similar outlook to how they want to make their businesses. I mean, these one of the guys is like a huge company and it's so wonderful that he wants to work with me and I'm teeny, you know, in comparison, but he, he gets the way I think and he, he likes the way I think yeah. and I totally get where, you know, where he's at. So over the years, your brand has kind of come in and out of the spotlight. Does this or did it coincide with you raising your child or what other factors have been involved with your kind of journey I guess um from beginning to now really it's it's constantly the art calling me um I will I, I stopped the fashion god 10 years ago because I just thought oh god I'm just not really it became really about business and cash flows and it was really successful and I and I, I loved it and I had an amazing team working for me um but I just missed painting and drawing like I did and having that experience and having to just create like that bang because you're following a timetable. I didn't like it, so I just thought I'd explore for a while. And during that time, you know, I met someone and then we decided to go on the journey of having a baby and, and it was a lot harder than we thought. And so I took a lot of time out. So I constantly made my artwork, just made it very quietly to myself and was lucky to have some exhibitions that I was doing and I was very blessed to have some amazing um, fashion collaborations that came in. 
So I just did all of that and the art just always has ruled everything. So when I decided, uh, then when my daughter did come, I thought I really wanted, because I knew I couldn't have any more kids, I really wanted to be with her as much as I could until she was strong enough. So once she got to school, I thought it's time now for me. I always kept my hand, I think I was about, when she was about nine months old, I started going back and having like four hours every few days in the studio, just drawing in my studio at home at the time because I'd rent, subletted my print room out then. So about two years ago, I knew I was ready to come back. And then I, at that time, I wanted to create the practice quite differently and because the world had completely changed with social media and I knew, and I didn't have all my staff anymore, I knew I could do it differently. Would you say then that the the changes and the rise of like social media and stuff have given you another new outlet and a, a way of making things possible that weren't before, perhaps? Yeah. Funnily enough, when I discovered Instagram, I was it was a place for me to be creative, mm-hmm. and I wasn't really engaging with the with the brand name in any kind of way or doing too much art. I was just doing it for myself and a few little jobs that had come in and out. So Instagram was a really creative place for me to just be able to use my eye again now it's it's definitely a place where I can promote myself and connect with an audience that really gets me and vice versa and find friends and all sorts of really interesting experiences through it but that was so different so different to when I started the label before your your general approach to life is very connected and self-aware how do you translate this approach to your running of a business and actually making money? Well, it's interesting. I grew up all my life with my parents having their own business. So I think I was just taking it in all the time, the kind of business conversations. And I'm naturally very business minded. I really enjoy actually talking about business. I'm quite fascinated by how can we make this work? Or I've got that kind of entrepreneurial brain. And I think I definitely get that from my, my, fo- my folks. Do you think that connects back to understanding people and what they want and what makes Yeah, I think I know. Work? I think yeah. the difference between me being just an artist is that I know what it's what it what's involved to have an idea and to actually make it commercial. Like you said about the print, you know which one will sell. Yeah, I've just yeah. sort of developed that ability now, I think, mm-hmm. that works. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I get it wrong, obviously, but I, I enjoy that experience. Mm. Um could you tell us a bit about Dream Forward, why you started it and how this fits alongside your brand? Well, it's a few different things. It connects to the business side too, but um, it was like a lot of my things, that have ha- how I've evolved through my life in my career. It's all been quite um, a set of serendipitous things that happens and they're quite organic. And um, I had some coaching when I stopped doing the collection for a while, I had a bit of coaching and I was quite interested in what that, how it all worked. And people have always said I'm really easy to talk to. And my partner at the time was always saying to me, you should be a therapist, you should be a counsellor. You know, people just find it so easy to talk to you. And after find, discovering coaching through being coached, I somehow one day just found out about this weekend course I could do. And it kind of fell in my lap and I was pregnant at the time. And I thought, oh, God, I might go and do this weekend. And I did. And it was totally life changing. And then I committed. And actually, I then lost my child. So it was an amazing place of process for me. Because when you're training, you're being coached all the time. So and every time the irony was, was every time I was 
in the training and I was being coached, it became so apparent that when I completed all the sort of training, that the art and the drawing was the most important thing to me and that I couldn't be a full-time coach, not at that stage in my life. I just knew it wasn't the right thing. I think that's shifting a bit now. But, um, yeah, so it all kind of fell into my place. It fell, fell into place. And now it's... Oh, I just love it. I love it. I just love really being able to help people. And I seem to work with mothers, working mothers, who mm -hmm. want to run their own businesses, mainly. Because you understand them. Because I understand yeah. it now, yeah. yeah. And then younger women who don't have kids but have a real passion of wanting to do something and actually who want to do something quite spiritually led. And I went on a course, I worked on a course for a year. It was actually an online course with, a, with an amazing American coach. And, and actually she was all about how do you run a business with a spiritual mindset? And I went in as an artist. I didn't think I was going to have, have my clothing again or product again. And it was such amazing work doing that with her. And we all met up in the States. And I met 14 entrepreneurs uh, from all walks of life and all different sort of levels of their successes. And they all had a very spiritual approach to how they how they ran their businesses and I think that was that really did something to me it kind of really I sort of felt like I belonged oh this kind of way I've been trying to run my business in the past now it makes sense it mm. made more sense and you're not alone and it, it is grounded and yeah yeah it's a difficult thing to realize that you're that you're not alone doing it on your own um with that what what does spirituality mean to you what's your own vision or perhaps that the feeling of the other people around you because I mean from my point of view I can I can see someone and I can tell and I know and that mm. and I can't really explain it any better than that but mm. you just you have this feeling like whether it's a vibration level or something but there's definitely some something you just know mm. <laughs> um, but yeah what's your what's your view on that so it's an interesting one because I was raised by an Indian Muslim mother and an American Jewish stepfather and so religion and they're both very non-religious so it wasn't but we but I we really I really respect my grandparents were very close to my Indian grandparents so I learned a lot about the Muslim side of my family through them and um, I just sort of decided that it wasn't for me to follow any kind of religion but I always knew from a very young age that I was very intuitive now I know that that's the word but at the time I didn't know and I was very sensitive and I was very concerned about people if they were not in a good place. or So I knew I had that going on. Then I just throughout my life have had so many experiences that I can't explain that have led me to believe in something a lot bigger than myself. And, and now I've, you know, I've trained in massage and healing and uh, as a channeler and I can't at all now walk away from the fact that for me there is definitely a higher force or another dimension or because of the experiences I've had and it runs completely throughout your life and you, it you totally yeah, and, and in everything. fact when I we came back to this having my practice two years ago it was really about running a practice that was very intuitively led and this is the first time I'm committing to the calendar, the fashion calendar, with the fashion side of what I do. Everything else is very much, because I, I think probably my biggest value is freedom and love, I guess. That's my big thing too, and peace. But um, 
it's weird sort of committing. Actually, it's been quite good committing, but um, yeah, very intuitively yeah. led. I'm very intuitive. Could you, so you've said that you've committed to this calendar now. So what, what does that mean? What's next for you? What's, means I launch next resort, week my that. resort collection. Yeah. And then we launch the main collection in September and then I follow the cycle. I follow so you're back the timetable. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully, you know, I'm trying to sell it very much more to only small amount of stores worldwide and much much more special and people who really get the product and so that eventually people can just buy directly from me too. So then I don't have to be so because I don't want big collections. Before I used to have 80-piece collections. Now my, they're like 20, 25-piece collections. And I don't I don't want it to be too big because I don't believe in fast fashion. So I want people to really buy one piece and love it and wear it. But also I'm so committed to the art, and that's really evolving and growing, and, and that's definitely my biggest passion. And the coaching I can see how much I'm supporting people. And for me, that's really important now to really help the people I help because I can see the shifts that happen to them. And if I have that ability to, to hold a space time. for someone, yeah. Yeah. yeah, especially because I'm starting to work with people with trauma. So mm. I can see that I'm able to help people move through trauma. And that's a big thing for me to be able to keep pushing that as well. Yeah, so you're you're definitely working on getting an, a a balance across everything now and kind of seeing where they all fit in it's all about of, balance yeah. i'm a libra it's <laughs> yeah. all about balance. <laughs> i didn't even know that <laughs> okay that makes sense <laughs> right <laughs> thank you so much Zaki. oh thank you all right I'll speak to you soon oh lovely thank you Jane. Zaki sheriff's outlook on life is unquestionably guided by her own vision and intuition she is compelled to follow her path, her light. Balancing the timescales and restrictions of working within the fashion industry has its ups and downs. Thankfully, this hasn't stopped her working in fashion as an artistic medium, and her latest collection is more refined and beautiful than ever. Pieces that really mean something to her and the wearer. After all, to Zaki, the process of collaboration is very special. Ultimately, in the end, the wearer becomes the collaborator too. In our next podcast, we speak to Professor Rebecca Early. After I heard Becky, she prefers to be called, speak at an event, I thought I must find out more about her theories and what they mean in practice. The current buzz around circular business models for reaching sustainable fashion goals are something Becky has been instrumental in creating. The breadth and depth of her knowledge is incredible, but the way in which she simplifies and delivers her models are the true stroke of genius, enabling fashion brands to embed them in the design process. Till then, come on the journey with us, keep listening, subscribe via iTunes and SoundCloud, join the conversation via Instagram at Black Neon Digital, Twitter at Digital Neon and our website blackneondigital.com. Digital.com.